What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We've got Jays, Jumpers, Darren Jackson Jr., John Rams, Joe Johnson, Jaw Rafts, of course. And tonight, Josh, we have Jayhawks as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess we do. I was thinking this is this might be the first sort of quote unquote emergency podcast we've done. I mean we did one pretty close after the bracket came out this year. Uh-huh. But we haven't we haven't done a post national championship game immediate reaction. It's eleven forty eight PM. And there are sirens outside that we had to wait to go by. Not that we're in New Orleans or anything. They're just sirens and you know Apparently there's some Kansas fans in, in, in northeast in northeast Indianapolis, but um, it is 11:48. The Kansas Jayhawks just beat UNC 72-69 to win their first national championship since 2008. Bill Self, the 16th college coach, men's Division One college basketball coach, to have multiple national titles. You know, as we tend to give flack to people who can't get a second one, and that's a really elite group of coaches that, that actually gets a second one. But 72-69, and quite frankly, a, a game of two halves. <laughs> North Carolina was up 40-25 at halftime. Kansas won the second half 47-29, and, and gets the win uh, by three points. Gut, gut reactions to what you saw. Part of me just wasn't convinced North Carolina was going to keep it up at halftime. Mm-hmm. Primarily because we've seen this from Kansas before. Particularly the Miami game. Mm-hmm. Where they just have this ability to go to another level. And we have also, and you were probably more insistent on this than I was. We've also seen this from North Carolina in the Baylor game. So that was... To me, there was a a bad half and a good half, and the better team ended up winning. They're not that that the margin between these teams at this point is this close mm-hmm. because that Kansas team is flawed, and we'll get into that. But on a very broad scale, to me, that was what this was. Both teams had a good half and a bad half, and the better team had a little bit better good half. Yeah, I think, and I said this just as as the game was winding down. There were three minutes left in this North Carolina team, a North Carolina team that shot 31% from the field, 21% from the three-point line, and, you know, they needed eight to, they needed a 10-point free-throw-plus margin to lose this game by three, and they still only lost this game by three and got to take the last shot. That is where something has happened in the last month or so with this UNC team because... That team a month and a half ago with these kind of stats doesn't get anywhere close to beating this Kansas team. And I guess, like, like I'm now convinced that this UNC team actually got better, not Caleb Love and R.J. Davis just had a ridiculous month along with Brady Manick. And then when you have a guy as consistent as Armando Baycott had six double-doubles in the six games that North Carolina played... I'm convinced that UNC actually got better. And I was pretty convinced by the time we got here, but I'm really convinced by it now because, I mean, RJ Davis and Caleb Love combined <laughs> to go 10 of 41. 41. 
10 of 41. Yeah. In this game, 1 of 13 from the three-point line. They were bad, and Caleb Love was atrocious after the under-four timeout. Just atrocious, with all due respect. And they still found a way to... They still almost found a way to win this game. And... But, you know, so I think they did get better, right? They're no longer the the eight seed, the team that, you know, needed mid-February before they got a quad one win. But um, I agree with you. I think coming into this game, Kansas was the better basketball team and got the slightly better half in the second half to, to edge it out. And I think a lot of that for North Carolina was simply figuring out who does what and basically this six-man rotation mm-hmm. of just settling in, sort of, right? You got new coach, a completely new system, a new emphasis in that system, which is Brady Manick as a stretch four. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of pieces that were... Armando Baycott's not used to being the sole big down low. Mm-hmm. He's used to playing in a two-big system. There were a lot of things, and yeah, I think the only fair conclusion is it just took some time. At the end of the day, though, you need a little bit. I mean, this was Baycott and Manic to a certain extent, and Puff Johnson's performance off the bench, right? Keeping them. And R.J. Davis had a stretch in there in the the second half when it got to six. He scored at least four straight points, and all of a sudden they were staying within a possession and right. hanging in there. But yeah, it's not like the it's not like the guards were good. Right. And I guess that's the... Before we get to the Kansas side of this, that's the thing I would say about Caleb Love and the shot against Duke. That I will just... And and fundamentally, I will just always harp on this, and we were talking about this, I know you agree with me. It was a terrific shot. It was also a bad shot. Mm. It's the same shots that Caleb Love took tonight. They didn't go in, and that's what the stat line looks like. Right. He had a stretch where he was phenomenal and he was efficient. His decision-making didn't change all that much. Mm. He is that guy who just has no conscience, which is good and bad. He he doesn't let missed shots and mistakes get to him, which allows him to hit a shot like that. Mm-hmm. It also means he's going to keep shooting. And if they don't go in, he's not going to be dissuaded by that. Mm-hmm. And so you see things like what happened tonight where he just never was really able to get it going. And for some reason, and I don't really know what it... And it, it, maybe it's Baycott, maybe it's Baycott and Manic. But that's right. That's been the story all. That's been the story all year, and that was the story coming into the season with North Carolina was when Caleb Love, like how good is Caleb Love? What's the decision making of Caleb Love going to look like? Can North Carolina be successful when he is you know just average or? having those days where you just kind of have to put your, your face in your palms and wonder when is he ever going to stop. And for the first four and a half months of the season, the answers to those questions was he didn't really get that much better from last year, especially from a decision-making perspective. And it's not like his efficiency went up all that much. I don't know off the top of my head. but And then something happened here. Because you're right. They needed him and his delusional confidence to beat Duke on Saturday night. 
and for him to just keep shooting and he knocked down the shots and those that's major major credit to him. Right. He had he had multiple halves where he was uber efficient and the best player on the floor. Right. Which is something we didn't see last year. Right. Yeah. But tonight it was he needed desperately to slow down and needed desperate and right and Baycott t- rolls his ankle again with a couple minutes left in the game and that's really that's really tough. I mean, well, no, it was like 30, 30 35 40 seconds uh, at that point. But I just, I mean, he, it was kind of like, like he brought the ball down and you knew he wasn't going to give it up. When he, when he got it, he wasn't going to give it up. And at the very least, you wanted to see, because going as many possessions as they did late in the game without Brady Manick really touching the ball and really being involved in the offense, like, even if it's, hey, get Brady Manic in a pick and pop with with Caleb Love, and even if Caleb's never going to actually pass it to him, at least you have to respect Brady Manic popping out to the three-point line and, and knocking down a shot. And the offense was just, it was just Caleb Love going a million miles an hour and and it not looking great. And they still almost found a way to win the game. And that's, and Kansas you know, came out and was phenomenal early in the second half, but you know, then they're making dumb mistakes. Like, just know where the sideline is, right? Dewan Harris stepping out of bounds on the... Like, you just need to... Like, they don't even get to take a shot if you just know where the sideline is there. I'm, uh... The... Kansas, you know, right, the first half was North Carolina all day. And then the second fifty, second half, the first 15 minutes of game time in the second half were all Kansas. And then it was, like... Can UNC make a shot and can Kansas hold on? Because it wasn't like, you know, you had Ochai Baji, you know, not being able, for someone as, who is as good as he is, I mean, not being able to hit the broadside of a barn consistently from the free throw line. Um, it was, right, you know, part of me was like, man, you had some really high level play here. And then when we had, we got to the under four timeout, it was like, okay, which team's going to make the fewer the fewer mistakes because both teams were it's you know Ray Martin had a couple big shots but it was like it was it was which team is going to shoot themselves in the foot less in in different ways and whoever that team ended up being was probably going to win and when you're already the better team in Kansas it's it's hard to to overcome those kind of things for your UNC yeah that that's a good way to put it is right you needed Kansas probably, I think there's a, an argument. Kansas allowed North Carolina to get away with bad guard play today. Mm. Right? By the just the first half in general, the lack of physicality, the inability to rebound and just match North Carolina's intensity mm-hmm. from David McCormick on down. Yeah. Of course, North Carolina's a great offensive rebounding team. You're going to give some up. But just they couldn't hit a shot in the paint, all of that stuff. Right which allowed Baycott to really set the tone. You've got some other contributions. Manic was tipping balls out. Puff Johnson had a play here. Guards popped up here and there with rebounds. R.J. Davis had good stretches. Caleb Love made a play here or there, and all of a sudden yeah. you're up 15 at halftime. Right. This Kansas team is sometimes extremely flawed when they get slowed down. We've seen it before. Miami did it to them. You've seen it at times this year. I feel like in terms of their sort of legacy, when when there were those moments that I'm sure Bill Self and we definitely wanted more from them, 
It was because they just were not particularly good in the half court. Mm -hmm. What is the common denominator of all of their big halves? They did what they're best at, which is they got out and ran. And that's how the second half started, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's defensive stops. It's Dewan Harris getting steals. He's a spectacular defender who doesn't get enough credit, by the way. Mm -hmm. It was that combination of when you play better defense and you don't give up all these second chance points, you can play a little faster even if you're not getting steals. And, of course, North Carolina made some mistakes that fed right into that. And all of a sudden, what do you have? You have an onslaught of Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson attacking the basket. Right. And the 15-point deficit was gone in, what, 10 minutes? Yeah, it was... I don't know off the top of my head, but it was pretty pretty fast. I'm going to look at the play-by-play -play here because I'm curious. I think it was basically at 10. Um, right, it's 40-25. Oh, and they... Right, they had pretty much eradicated it with like it, within nine minutes i think that's what we yeah. looked up and it was like there was like 10 49 10 53 yeah Baji made a layup with 10 53 left that put kansas up one yeah 50 to 49 and you needed 25 99 you needed brown and wilson because the other part of this to me that was really interesting was the defensive matchups mm -hmm. because i came in thinking abaji is the perfect guy to guard caleb love Right? He's an inch or two taller, a mm -hmm. little bit longer. You've got that, and then you put Dewan Harris on R.J. Davis, and you're set there in the backcourt until Randy Martin comes in, and then mm -hmm. it's a different conversation. Who was really good. Yes. 14-3, from the three-point right. line. He made up for his lack of defense by doing what Remy Martin does. Which is and he even ball. had a nice block on Caleb yes. Love. Out of nowhere. Made it right. And, and like an intelligent defensive play, yes. too. Like he took a different angle to block it on yep. the low side of... Of the yep. shot, which kind of waited for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, he got blown by right before that. But hey, he, hey, listen, chill. He he didn't <laughs> give up on the play, and he made a very good play in the end. And then on the flip side of that, Leaky Black is perfectly suited to guard Abaji in mm -hmm. a way he's not Paulo Bancaro because he's a little bit taller than Abaji, and he's but he's sort of they're sort of built the same way. Mm -hmm. And so in my head, I just kind of kept thinking, Kansas has to get an edge somewhere here. It's not going to be Abaji. Asking him to go score 28 points, to me, is just unrealistic. Because that's a disservice to who Leaky Black is as a defender. Mm -hmm. Abaji's going to make some plays, but by and large, Black was able to bother him. Which is where you needed Brown, Wilson to step up. McCormick made some plays. I would They argue. were battling. McCormick yes. and Baycott, that he, was that was one of the more fun parts of the game. Yeah. They, were, they were really going at it. And Baycott really won the first half. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's going to... If North Carolina wins, that's part of the narrative here. It's just Kansas lost some of these individual battles and didn't get enough from their role players. And then McCormick stepped up in the second half. Baycott kind of struggled a little bit. Wasn't as impactful, partially because Kansas did a better job on the boards. Right. And all of a sudden, here comes Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson. That's how it had to be for Kansas with some Remy Martin sprinkled in and Dewan Harris doing his defensive thing. Yeah. That's the beauty of this team is... I feel like everybody just kept wanting Abaji to keep shooting. And everybody inside the Kansas program will tell you, he doesn't need to. Right. When when he gets going like he did against Villanova, he he's going to get you 28 sometimes. But it can also be the combination of these guys. It can also be McCormick, who was every bit as good against Villanova. It can also be Remy Martin, as we saw in the first few rounds of this tournament. That's what makes this team so scary. You don't need him to be that guy. He turned into the best player on this team, but tonight was a good example of 
he's not invincible, right? If you if you've got a guy that can lock him down, which is easier said than done, but North Carolina has one of those guys mm-hmm. that can really bother him. You need something else, and that's what makes this Kansas team so dangerous is they have it. And North Carolina didn't really tonight, and they're also relying on six players, and five of four of which really are scorers. Right. Because you're not really asking Puff Johnson to do that, and you're certainly not asking Leaky Black to do that. That's not what they're there for. Uh, trivia time, how many players on North Carolina's roster had more field goals than Puff Johnson? I'm going to say two. Zero had more. Really? R.J. Davis and Caleb Love both had five. Puff Johnson was five and nine from the field. Yeah, because Baycott really struggled from any fish. He got to the line a lot. Yeah. And from uh, from the line, Baycott was nine of thirteen. Yeah, but the point and R.J. Davis got there five times and made all five of them. Um, but your point about Kansas, I I've said it a bunch of times during the tournament, and I said it during the regular season. And I'll get to say it one more time because this is what this is why preseason we were talking about Kansas being the top two yep. team in the sport. It was how like nobody was. Nobody was excellent. Nobody in this game, period, was excellent. And and I'm not sure really how to feel about the game in general because the end of the game was played so poorly, I thought, and it was two halves that were... Right, the, you know, a team being up by 15 at halftime and a team winning the second half by 17 or by 18. By definition, the game's going to have to be close at the other end, right? But there's a difference between close games and well-played good games. And I think that this one was the former, not necessarily the latter, which is fine. You still get your drama because it's a close game at the end of the national championship, so which is fine. But to say this game delivered on a quality of play perspective, I think is a little bit of a stretch. But Kansas, this is what good Kansas was supposed to look like, right? They were supposed to have three... It, at the very least, all Big 12 caliber wings in Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, and Ochai Baji. And Ochai Baji was supposed to be a you know one of those guys in the conversation for Big 12 Player of the Year. Turns out he ended up you know being in the conversation for Big 12 Player of the Year and for a majority of the season had a strong case for National Player of the Year. Point, yeah. But David McCormack wasn't the guy we thought he was going to be for large stretches of the season every once in a while we'd find him somewhere like in you know you know college part you would college college station no that's texas A&M. never mind my point being is that we found him somewhere in the midwest every once in a while but this was in you know, he was physical imposing like against armando baycott it's hard to look physical and imposing but there were possessions when he looked yeah. physical and imposing and you got, you know, he was in double figures. Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, and Ochagabaji were all in double figures. And then Remy Martin came off the bench and had 14 points on 5-9 shooting. And it was, he, he knocked down a couple big shots, absolutely the spark plug. That's what he turned into, even though, like, he was a spark plug slash best player on the team, question mark, especially in the tournament. Um, but this is exactly what I thought Kansas was going to be, which is why Kansas for most of the year was so confusing. It's like, wait a second. I know Kansas is good. I'm not sure Kansas is good the way I thought Kansas was going to be good. And those two things usually don't exist at the same time, right? It's usually, oh, yeah, this team is good because of the way we thought they were going to be good. Or 
they're bad because the players we thought were going to be really good haven't stepped up the way that we thought they would. But both were true this year, and then we got to the tournament, and it looked a lot like this. And then on a day where you know, you're only 43% from the field, you only knock down six three-pointers, you just have the better basketball team. And that's what we thought Kansas was going to be nine times out of ten this year, which is so many quality college basketball players that they're just a little bit too involved. And especially against a, they, you know, this wasn't a team, I would argue, on their talent level. It was close, particularly with the way North Carolina's been playing. But this wasn't Duke-Gonzaga. Right. Where they can just match you player for player. Sure. Like we said, two-thirds of North Carolina's rotation are not scorers. Now, the other four are all very capable of being electric scorers in their own ways. But, and that goes to the to the other bigger point about Kansas, that they weren't exactly convincing in the tournament. Right? Now, they did enough to, to get there. And were the only ones to do so, which they deserve credit for. But you can point to Creighton gave them trouble. Providence gave them trouble. You know, you can go down the list. Of course, Miami had them for a half. Villanova, they just didn't show up until five minutes in the game. So that one wasn't as close. But Kansas didn't exactly put them away convincingly in the second half. You know, Villanova kind of hung around for a while. Sure. You could argue that game... It's tough to put Jay Wright out of the game in the final yeah. four. Yeah, and you could argue that game was ended up being closer than it really looked. Because Villanova was never, you know, they just kind of got to that point where, oh, if they put a run together after the run, then we're talking about Right, they got to six a bunch of times, and then Kansas, you know, knocked down two threes and it's back to 12 immediately. But it's, I didn't come away from this going, oh, that's the best team in the country. No, but I'm not, I'm not upset, like if I'm, I'll put it this way, if I'm in the whole, like, I don't like the NCAA tournament because yes. it doesn't produce the best team in the country. I'm not necessarily mad about this. No, 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 no. Yeah, but yeah. there's a difference between the two. My my point just being sometimes we right we come right. away and we go, well, no, duh, that was just specifically the Villanova team. The 2018 Villanova team. We're like, how in the world did we ever right. think anybody but them was going right. to win that? And the, I, sure. the same way about 2009 North Carolina, mm-hmm. those dudes just ran everybody off the floor. Right, there are teams every once in a while we just go... Last year's Baylor team, it's yeah. like, oh, right. right. Clearly that team was just way yeah. better than even Gonzaga. Right. I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't Maybe going for the... I wasn't going for the Kansas doesn't deserve it, isn't a valid sure. national... I was just saying that I, know, I didn't sort of come to some revelation. Sure. Kansas was clearly one of the most talented teams in the country. In the tournament, played like it for large portions. Caught some breaks in terms of Teams they didn't have to play on the other side of the bracket. Gonzaga, Duke. Who was the other? I, I would have taken them against Baylor with the way Baylor was banged up. Arizona on their side. You know, they they did catch some breaks, which is March Madness. is how it goes. But I'm with you. that I don't look at it and say this isn't a... And maybe Val is not the right word, but a deserving champion. If you look back on the season and you go, Kansas wasn't one of the best teams in the country. Because they absolutely were. I do feel like there was another level they could have gotten to, and I think Bill Self would agree. But they're they're in the middle of, right, you're not mad about this, but also I don't come away going, yeah, they just sort of start to finish, cemented themselves as the 
the team in the country this year. And I think part of that, I think perhaps we would have thought a little bit differently about it if a couple things hadn't happened. If Baylor doesn't come out and look like the best team in the country when they just, we were kind of like, oh, all those guys are gone. Baylor will be a top 25, you know, top 15 team, but like we're probably not going to see them at the top of the sport. And then all of a sudden, for the first two months, Baylor was at the top of the sport. <laughs> and you had Kansas lose to Dayton early on. And so it was like this combination of, oh, is Baylor the best team in the Big yeah. 12 again? It, it was a conversation about the conference, not the country. And, and yeah. Kansas losing to Dayton, and it's kind of like, oh. I think if those things, if, if Kansas doesn't lose to Dayton, and if Baylor is thought of as almost as more of an equal to Kansas than like a, and we can have conversations about where we thought Baylor was relative to Kansas. But I think for the most part, Kansas was a notch above Baylor preseason. And then it very quickly was like, are we sure? And then all the way through the Big 12, or right, all the way through the NCAA tournament, both teams were a one seed, right? So by definition, and like they were both 14 and four in conference play. So by definition, Kansas and Baylor were on the same level the entire season. I don't think we were expecting that which I also think would play a little bit into was Kansas the best team while you're no, probably not, but they were certainly one of the, one of the best teams in the country. And honestly, that's like, if you're asking for the best team in the country to win the, the tournament right. every year, it's, it's an unrealistic yeah. expectation, yeah. but pretty consistently. I mean, when was the last time the, the 2014 UConn team? Was that the last national champion that we sat there and were like, you know what? That wasn't one of the best teams in the country all year. Because 15 was Duke. That was absolutely one of the best teams yeah. in the country. Right? The best team in the country didn't win it that year because that was the Kentucky team. Yeah. That Kentucky team was undefeated. And then that Duke team went and beat the Wisconsin team that was Correct. the one seed that beat the, the Kentucky team. Right. Yeah, so, right. You, yeah, you didn't feel bad about 16 that 16 was Nova. Nova probably won the best team in the country that year, but they were pretty close. Mm. 17 was North Carolina with your that was a very with good your team. Justin Johnson, yep. your Joel Berry, your Kennedy they were Meeks. they were probably the best team in the country. Certainly, and, and that and that national championship I thought was uh, between the two yes. teams that are the best. Two right, teams. right. That was the that Gonzaga. Was the, yeah. That was the yeah, Nigel yeah. Williams Goss. Yes, uh, Gonzaga. Team. Yes, yeah. Um, eighteen Villanova no, was the best team in the country. Yep. Nineteen Virginia was the best team in the country. Yeah, and then twenty one was Baylor. Right, and here we are with Kansas again. So. The point being is that the tournament, whether you like it or not, and whether you feel like we should have a... First of all, you're just weird and need to get over yourself if you don't <laughs> like the NCAA tournament. But if your argument is, is if the point of the playoffs is to, is to be left with a team that really was the best all season, maybe the tournament doesn't always get you there. It gets you pretty close a lot of the time. And if your team's name isn't UConn, like... It's, it almost always gets you there. Yeah. Um, now, and I think Kansas would fit that bill. Yes, absolutely. And, and generally, right. And what what the NCAA tournament does for me is it, it takes out a couple teams that would be deserving national champions, just inherently because of the chaos. Right. But by the time you get to the Final Four, even the Elite Eight to a certain extent, those teams that have caused the chaos have been removed. Right. And we have very good basketball teams left. Right, I mean, right. We had right North Carolina, which we can have a conversation yes. about. But I think 
we can agree, and we talked about this some, is that when they, by the time they got to the national championship, I didn't feel like they beat a bunch of teams fluky. Yes. Like, now, what we were seeing was the best version of that team because of how good their guards were playing. But, which I guess perhaps by definition in their inefficiencies and just inconsistencies then perhaps they really were an eight seed. They just got the right month. We can have that conversation if you'd like to. But I felt like they weren't an eight seed that, you know, and I threw Kansas State out there who got to play UMBC in the second round. And Didn't they play a 12 or something? Yeah, that was a really weird bracket. Yeah. So they ended up in the Elite Eight, and you didn't really feel like they had beat anybody you you're no one's having a conversation about Kansas State being one of the top right. eight teams in the country when they got to the Elite Eight. Kind of like Miami this year. Right, exactly. Um, now they beat Auburn. Now they beat we, Auburn we've discussed but, that. Right. Um, but, to your point, we got we got to the Final Four, and we had four really, really good basketball teams. At least, and we had three really, really good basketball <laughs> teams and a basketball team that was playing really well. Yes. And if we get 75% of the really good basketball teams in the Final Four... Then, then we're doing it. And, and Carolina, at the moment, is a very good basketball team. Mm. There's no disputing that. I mean, they just went toe-to-toe with Duke in a game that was the opposite of this one. Yeah. That was high-level execution on both ends at the end. This one was more, can you survive to get to the finish line? Yeah. I was going to make the point, though, that I don't want to hear anything. Had North Carolina won, I don't want to hear anything about them being the best team in the country. Certainly not. Nope, that we would can, be one that we could check and be like, yeah, that yeah. that wasn't the best team in the country or anywhere close. Right. Now, credit to Hubert Davis, that's how this sport is built, right? Is you don't have to, you have to be good enough to get in. And then it's about, can you, what can you do to improve during the season? And clearly, Hubert Davis is very good at, however you want to categorize it, teaching, developing, putting a team together to help them, whatever phrase you want to use. He clearly figured out how to get this team much better. Yeah. Whether it's fixing his own mistakes and saying, I want to do things differently because XYZ is not working. They are a very different basketball team than they were at the beginning of the season. That, that was the, yeah. I, we came very close to having one of those years where the team that won was nowhere near the best team in the country. No. They almost didn't make the NCAA tournament. But then you, right. you come back and you go, well, much like you said last year, you can't argue with what they did. And and they and this North Carolina team went through the series of blue bloods, right? They took out the defending national champions. They took out UCLA. They took out Duke. They took out St. Peter's. Absolutely, St. Peter's. That didn't. I didn't feel like that needed to be said. <laughs> Even Marquette in the first round. I mean, not a blue blood, but you know, big time. Smoked program. them too. Yeah, right. And, and we're doing this in convincing fashion for the most part, except for the blown 25-point lead. Yeah. But they also got the point where they were out playing the defending national champions by 25. So, And they would have also got, then obviously gone to add Kansas to that list. So it's not like you can, much like UCLA's win over Gonzaga, or the loss to Gonzaga, where you well, clearly UCLA's playing like a top-four team in the country that deserves to be in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. It's just a different discussion because they were nowhere near that at the beginning of the season. But that's the... Love it or hate it, that is what March Madness is all about. Is it's can you play six good games? And North Carolina got really close. 
How do you describe this UNC team to somebody in five years? Do you they, describe they, they were really as, bad, and then they were really good. Right. Do you describe it as a team? Is it, is it just simply a team that got hot in March? Or do they deserve a little bit more credit? I think, that? to me, they deserve a little back, more credit. The back half of the ACC conference, I mean, this, yeah. is, this is a team that finished second in the ACC. Yeah. So, I mean, and we just like, you know, UNC having won this national championship wouldn't have meant that, you know, you know, just because the ACC did well in the NCAA tournament doesn't mean the yeah. ACC was good. But this is still, you know, they still finished tied for a second, uh, 15 and 5 in conference. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question, though, because I, I, I'm not entirely sure I don't, like, I might just agree with it's a team that, that got right in March, and mm-hmm. that was about it, because and, and, and I'm not I, sure you need to be right to go 15 and 5 in conference this year. Yeah, I would argue February though. There okay, was a there was a fair. clear delineation before the Pittsburgh game and after the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, I would agree with that. That the second half of ACC play, they all right, they went from not being able to beat a good basketball team and having zero quad one wins to putting together a series of wins against very good basketball teams. Yeah. Particularly once they got to the tournament, but also obviously you got the Duke game in there, and they started to beat some. They beat Virginia Tech on the road. Yeah, some of the other ACC teams that were halfway decent. Right. That's that's what I would say is that there's a there's just you sort of split it down the middle. Couldn't beat any good teams, then started playing really well. So yeah, I want to give them more credit than just they got hot in March. I think I'd agree with that. And and like they lost to Virginia Tech by thirteen like three weeks ago in the ACC tournament. So it's not like they they rolled through the ACC no. tournament. That was about the only game though. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're right. I mean, and then you look elsewhere, and right that Baylor game, that UNC, you know, the UCLA game, they they look like you know, they sort of had UCLA at arm's length for a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I think I agree with you there, in terms of how this UNC team is remembered, because certainly by the time they got there, you felt like they belonged, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they belonged with teams not named. That was the other thing I was interested. I was curious about. Once we got here, and once they got to Kansas, is okay. Clearly, you guys belong with Duke. Like clearly, you guys just whatever it is. But do you belong with the the team that has, you know, that was pretty much clicking on all cylinders in the NCAA tournament, um, at least to a certain extent, right? Kansas didn't. It's not like they were blowing teams yeah. out of the water. But, but it's never going to be perfect. But it's I, the NCAA tournament. But I also didn't feel like with you know three minutes left in any game this year save the national championship that Kansas was about to lose, mm-hmm. um, which is saying something in the NCAA tournament when you win a national championship and you can't say that before the last three minutes of, you know, of the final game. Of which they were leading. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you know, because the other three teams that got there, it's, oh yeah, Kansas won the Big 12, Duke won the ACC, Villanova didn't win the Big East, but like if Providence played all of their games, Villanova probably would have won the Big East. And they won and, the tournament. Right. Um, and they're Villanova. And they're Villanova, right? And they've got Villanova <laughs> taped across their chest. And all of a sudden, UNC is... Right, they went from... Hubert Davis is inheriting something that hasn't been great since the 2017 championship. Like, it's been fine, but... Sometimes not But, fine. like, Roy Williams off tape 
Roy Williams, you know, off the record, he's telling you that he left when he did because, like, the sport was getting harder to coach in and his program was kind of in a spot that wasn't exactly breeding success the way you'd seen it for, you know, the decade prior to to that national championship game, uh, to that national championship in 2017. But um, all of a sudden you turn around and there's a conversation for another day about Hubert Davis and, you know, what John Shire's inheriting at Duke. Um, I mean, he's inheriting, you know, the number one recruiting class in the country, so it's going to be okay. But all of a sudden that conversation is much more different than the one we were having in July of 2021 about, you know, which guy is inheriting a better situation? Is it Shire and it's not anywhere close? Who would you pick to be successful? And now all of a sudden, Hubert Davis, I mean, I saw you tweet this. I mean, Hubert Davis beat Duke at Cameron Indoor to end Coach K's Cameron Indoor career. And they beat him in the Final Four. There's not a single person on the board of trustees at UNC who isn't ready to sign that lifetime contract. Right. I mean, how bad does it have to get for him to be fired? Really bad, and it has to be like fifteen years. Right, it's got. I mean, you've got to get. He's got at least a five-year grace period, right? Right. Ex- Before least. we even have that conversation, he, he could go. He could go winless <laughs> right, for the next right. three years, and it'd still be like, ah, oh, we're rolling with Hubert Davis. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little bit like any anybody who helped the Cubs win a World Series back in twenty sixteen. It's like, yeah, is Chris Bryant really worth that amount of money? No, but has he earned the right to ask for that amount of money, even though it's a little bit ridiculous? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but. But there you go. Anything else on the national championship? I feel like there should be more to say about about Kansas. The the other thing is, of course, they were the best team in the country and didn't get a chance to back that up with the national championship two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, this is in some way, shape, or form karmic justice for that. Because you obviously had some of those same guys on that team. The difference was that team had Yudoka Azabuki, not David McCormick. I mean, McCormick was on the... But in terms of the... But the what we said from the beginning of the year, and I kept harping on this, is this team looked a lot like that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Literally and figuratively in yes. some cases. And it turned out a little bit different. I mean, those wings were on a different level this year, but also the post play and the guard play was on a different level for that team with Devon Dotson and Azubu. Yeah, that was the best. That was, I'm looking at that roster. That was a good basketball team. Yeah. Marcus, uh, Marcus Garrett, yep. Devon Dotson. Then you have a lot of the same names. Christian yep. Brown, Dewan Harris, Jalen Wilson, Mitch Lightfoot, my boy. Oh, of, course, of course, right? Mitch Lightfoot. Oh, yeah. So, that was... This is the formula and what it looks like when Bill Self teams are Final Four National Championship caliber. I believe that at the beginning of the season, and obviously we've been proved right in that. I just... They didn't... There was some... right. They had been... Had they won that National Championship when the pandemic hit, I would have been pushing a different narrative about the end of the season and how I feel. To me, this team just was not anywhere near as convincing as that one was. I would agree with that. That's that's really the only... I have one more thing, but I kind of want to save it for the end. Okay. I, I There's just... 
I don't know if you have, you know, Bill Self getting a second title. You kind of mentioned that, that it's much harder than people uh, think. Um, I'm a little intrigued by how long it is until the NCAA no longer recognizes That's what it. I was going for. Yeah. Is that what you were going for as well? Um, I don't have a ton to, to say, but, like, this is probably not going to stick around in the record books. Probably not. But does it matter? No. And that's a conversation, you know, right? That's the that's the conversation, right? Is that everyone knows Bill Self's a cheater. Everyone knows that there are less than uh, that the morality of his program can be at the very least questioned. But it doesn't matter. I mean, our alma mater just fired a guy who I literally didn't see a single person on Twitter say a bad thing about. Mm-hmm. But Laval Jordan. Couldn't win in the Big East and didn't get a chance to win multiple games in the tournament when he had a team that could do it. And then when all those guys left, he... Well, he did it once. Well, specifically the 2020 year. The tournament that I genuinely feel like that team had second weekend. Oh, I lied. He didn't... He almost beat Purdue in the second round. He got... I I had in my head that they got two, but no, it was just one. No, it was just one. Um, They played very well in the second game and came up a little short. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the point being right. is that, His best no, team he didn't is that get to. not a single person is going to say a, a bad thing about Laval Jordan, the character, but Laval Jordan, the basketball coach had a hard time winning games to the level of satisfaction. And so now Laval Jordan's looking for a new job, but I mean, and that's, I'm not going to say, I'm not naive. I understand that any sport but college basketball certainly is judged on your ability to win or lose. And Bill Self, regardless of how you feel about him, and your feelings about Bill Self are well-documented, but the guy's the, the guy is, regardless of how it gets done, finds a way to get results as oh, yeah. a college basketball coach. And when it, when it comes down to it, He's one of the best in the country, especially at any... We saw it in the tournament multiple times. He His team blew teams out in the second half. Like yep. They only won this game by three, but they blew North Carolina mm-hmm. out in the second half. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they were back in the game instantly. Right. Not, I mean, it took ten minutes. Right. But it wasn't like this was some kind of protracted... They kept picking away. Right. No, no, they just came out, and all of a sudden, it was single digits, it was four, and it was right. and then you and, Right, and you knew about 90 seconds yeah. into this second yeah. half. It's like, oh, yeah, this is probably going to be a basketball game yeah. by the time we get to the yeah. under eight. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I don't really know how to feel about that, right? This is something that, on a more personal level, I struggle with on a regular basis. But that's to to try and fight for the, the you know, let's hold Bill Self accountable thing by any way other than just sort of like, quote-unquote, stripping his national titles and perhaps making them ineligible for a season when you have the recruiting momentum that Bill South has is just not going to matter. But um, that would be the only thing I say. A- apart from that, he's is he a quality... Does the quality of which he coaches the game meet an elite level? Yeah. Um, but did I wish we felt about him as an elite coach the way that we do? Uh, I'd, I'd be okay if we didn't. Yeah, 
I, I wanted to bring it up because I'm going to keep bringing it up because it matters to me. Yeah. Regardless of how much other people may want to just disregard it. And part of this is the NCA's fault that it's taken this long. Mm-hmm. Part of this is the NCA's fault that Oklahoma State tried to do everything right and got hit with a postseason ban right before the season started. And every team, right, so far? No, not every team. But a vast majority of the teams that have gotten caught up in this have had a postseason ban of some way, shape, or form. Yep. Right? Auburn, Arizona, both self-imposed. Yep. And Oklahoma State. Am I missing any? I don't think NC, NC State, I think, got hit with stuff, but it wasn't... Yeah. I mean, yeah. NC State is a trainer. NC State has no college basketball players on the roster right now. Yeah. I don't... You know, I, yeah, quite honestly. It's been so... See, it's all just so long. I don't even remember exactly what happened there. Yeah. But the bigger programs, right, they've all got hit with this postseason ban, except for Kansas. Right. And the other thing I wanted to mention that I did not know and you did not know until I told you and I read it in an Associated Press story about Mark Emmert being frustrated with the independent arbitration process that Kansas is going through <laughs> and the fact it's taking this long is in Bill Self's new lifetime contract, he cannot be fired for cause in relation to NCA violations that happened before he signed the contract. I think he signed it in February 2021. Might not be the month wrong, but it, it was last year. The point being, he is completely protected from NCA violations in the sense that if Kansas is going to fire him, they can't do what LSU did and wait for the notice of allegations to come and then say, goodbye, we waited to fire you with cause right. so we don't have to pay you. Right. That is not an option. Kansas will have to fire Bill Self outright or keep him, which is part of why I answered so quickly, does anybody care? Right. Clearly not. Right. Because they allowed him to protect himself from this. Right. And I... Right. I just I'm find sure, it, right, that that I'm sure the lawyers came back with they put this in the contract or we're not signing it. Right. And I mean, look, Bruce Pearl just got a lifetime contract at Auburn after going through a uh-huh. you know. Yep. If if Bruce Pearl's gonna get that kind of protection, I find it hard to believe Kansas is firing Bill Self. Hey. So that's part of this too. But you're you're absolutely right. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach for a reason. He is great at making adjustments in game, obviously, as you alluded to, and also just Getting teams, I feel like he's one of those coaches that, no, they don't necessarily always win to the level they should in March, but you always feel like his teams continue to build. They're never backing into the tournament. They are always playing good basketball with that momentum. Even in the bad years. Yeah. Like, even last year. Even last year, right. When you felt like they kind of, now, they still made Baylor win as many games as possible to win the Big Mm -hmm. 12. But even last year, you felt kind of disappointed by Kansas for most of the season. It's like, oh, Kansas, when we got to the tournament. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kansas yeah. doesn't look that bad. He, he is as good in the, as anybody in the country at that that part of it. That It's not usually as bad as, for example, sometimes Michigan looks, where all of a sudden, come March, they're just ready to go. But it does kind of have that, that vibe of they build and build and build, and even if they lose the Big 12 tournament championship game, they're already regular season champions, and they're one of the teams you don't want to play in the tournament. Right. And this year was obviously no exception to that. They just they split the regular season, won the tournament, and then won the whole thing. 
they deserve a second. To be quite honest, with the with the teams they've had, they deserve a second. Over They're, under point five titles since the Mario Chalmers title. People are taking the over. over. Yeah. All all day, all day. Like at this point, right? Yeah. Um, and it clearly it could have been three with the team he didn't get to have. But even if you take that out, just the the way they deliver every single season, you would have thought they would have caught a break here or there right. somewhere. Yep. Anything else on this game? Yeah, I have. I want to make one more college basketball not related to this comment, but I also see. I think you have something else you wanted to discuss. We should bring up. Yo, shouts to South Carolina. Shouts to South Carolina for smoking UConn. Let's get this. Let's get this straight. Yeah. Now, now UConn did that thing at the one point in the second half where they like went on a 10-0 run. I swear, in eleven seconds, like it was the fastest 10-0 run ever. But every time they got close to knocking on the door, it was Destani Henderson, who 26. Yeah. Destiny Henderson had the best game of her life. Are what you kidding me? It. What a time to do it. Excuse me, Destiny. Sorry. Destiny Henderson. 26? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Vlad Boston, 11-16. She might be one of my favorite athletes, period, yeah. right now. With the, right. with the emotion and the... I love what she, sold, she said to Holly Rose. She said... You know, everybody had pictures of me crying after last year, and now I'm giving them. And she smiled real big at the camera. Mm-hmm. Like that personality, just like gets that that yep. kind of thing, gets me going. And she said, you know, this year it's happy tears, Holly. And I was like, yeah, that <laughs> I love that. I believe um, it was 34 and 34 in the two games in Minneapolis. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 34 points, 34 rebounds. Yeah. That is. She's a monster. There's she, a, there is a reason she won Naismith Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An absolute, an absolute beast. Um, she's going to be great in the WNBA. Um, shouts to Don Staley. Yeah, we're talking about like this is her line this year. Yeah, shouts to Don Staley. We're talking about sixteen point eight, twelve point five, two, one point two, two point four blocks, fifty four percent from the field. Yeah, just an absolute, just an absolute issue on the uh, on the basketball court. And, and, and the bigger point, and one that I think is so mm-hmm. important, it's been six years since UConn won a national championship. Yep. And Gino Arima just lost a national championship game for the first, first time. time. Yep. These are very important things for, college, for women's college hoops. Very important things. If you, if you asked anybody for a long time, last 10 years, what's the, what's the first thing that you think of when you think of women's college basketball? UConn's better than everybody. Especially, right, especially, and right, there's some, you know, the Brittany Griner years, the, you know, there's some... Every once in a while. Right, but, yeah. but Brianna Stewart won four <laughs> national championships. Four. And I don't think she was the only one to do that. No. Yeah. And that's, it's been six years. Yep. And, and, and this year, like, they lost five, like, UConn, and they talked about it on the broadcast, they talked about Gino... And his team, like, having moments of surprise this year when they won games. And said that it used to be like a... going yeah. Playing in the national championship used to feel like a kid on Christmas morning who already knew what he was going to get. Yeah. That they knew it was coming. And, th- and getting to the Final Four this year was a surprise. Beating the teams that they beat along the way, right? That UConn and... Right, UConn-Stanford, that game they played against NC State was... Perhaps the best game of March, men's or women's, mm-hmm. 
And that's just, right, that's a phenomenal, like, UConn wasn't a one seed. UConn lost five times this year, and UConn's, um, U- UConn's undefeated streak against non-top-25 teams, you know, that one's over. They lost to an unranked team this year. They lost to it in Villanova. Shouts to Wildcats. Um, they lost. A they lost a conference, a, a conference game this year. Shouts to Villanova. Um, but the point being that that is so important for the women's game is is on the biggest stage. Right to see UConn win a game that was really close and really entertaining at Stanford, and to win a game against a team and to. And to lose a game against a team that was clearly better than them. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina talked, you know, last year, unfinished business, live awesome, we already talked about it. For another team to sort of take it to UConn like that, and to watch UConn struggle, and to watch UConn claw back, and to watch, you know, Paige Beckers try to lead a team back, and to just UConn so clearly did not really have it. And for uh, you know for South Carolina to hang on and to have a, a character like Elia Boston be a sort of at the center of it is um, is awesome for the women's game. And I don't want to go through this national championship podcast without talking about the other national championship game that we saw this weekend, which was you know South Carolina coming back full circle after what happened last year in the Final Four, uh, and and getting it done this year. Yeah, and you know, at first it was Tennessee, and then I feel like Notre Dame kind of when Tennessee, Skylar Diggins, t- yeah, tapered off a little bit. Right, it was Muffin McGraw. I feel like right. that first got something where you felt like they could challenge UConn, and then to me, Don Staley is just kind of the 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 symbol of she's I want, the anti Gino. Yeah, and just in the in the sense of, I want you to come here because that's the bar, and we're going to reach it, and we're uh, going to jump over it. Right. And of course, it's not. Tara Vanderbeer has a phenomenal stand, program at Stanford. They just won last year. Mm-hmm. Made it back. You know, Jeff Walls is doing a great job at Louisville. NC State is always good. There are other you know Baylor's hopped in there. But to me, the right South Carolina just kind of came out of nowhere. Relatively speaking, if we're talking longer term, and then have become this constant presence, and now Don Staley has two, and also kind of like Kansas, I believe that team was thirty-two and one that didn't get to play. So since nineteen ninety-four, ninety-three, ninety-four season, Gino Arima has been the head coach since eighty-five, eighty-six. But since nineteen ninety-three, ninety-four, they went thirty and three that year. Elite Eight, the next year they went 35-0 and and won a national championship. How many times since 1993 has Gino Orniema lost six games or more? I'll say one. It's one. In 2004-05, they went 25-8 and and lost in the Sweet 16. That's the only time that they've lost... They, they, lost, they lost five the next year and went to the Elite Eight. Since then, they haven't lost more than four. They've gone undefeated one, two, three times, three, four times since then. At one point, I'm guessing those, those were probably my more years. They went 78 and 0 across two seasons, you know, sandwiched in between two, you know, measly 36 and two years. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that this is great. This yes. is phenomenal. Um, 
for women's for for you know the women's game because you know what this does is already like Don Staley's cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, and all of a sudden there's people in the room that like Gino Arima has to actually like go to battle to get players, the best players in the country and the high school ranks to come and play for him. And all of these things, all, all of these things are, are very, very good. And not only that, Don Staley just beat him now, sophomore, freshman. And to me, that was part of this is that this UConn team is young and mm -hmm. the players asked to carry it are incredibly young. Yep. But you got the best recruit in the country last year, and you got the best recruit in the country this year. And South Carolina handily beat you twice. You weren't a one seed. Now, some of that had to do with injuries. Mm -hmm. But, right, this is very much up for grabs now, and it's a, it's a series of coaches, but particularly Don Staley, to me, is just the symbol of, we can do this too. Yep. They are not invincible. You just need to believe with me. Yep. And... Absolutely, it was good basketball. We got some great games in that tournament as well. We talked about the, the upsets that were happening. And right, this stuff we always knew was possible. It's not like UConn goes and destroys everybody in the Final Four these days. But it was cool to see UConn actually get back to the championship game too. Yeah. And then to be reminded that, yeah, this South Carolina team was just the best in the country, period, full stop, all, all season, no right. end of discussion. Right. And they showed it from the very beginning to the very end. Couldn't. Very, very, very well said. Anything else? What's the the only other thing? thing I was going to say is, did, did Val Ackerman send some kind of Big East-wide memo to athletic Dude. directors saying, you're going to face public criticism from the conference if you don't <laughs> hire somebody with connections to your university? <laughs> well... I thought you were going to, you're going to receive public criticism if the Big East doesn't have good postseason showings. Oh. Because we, I mean, the Big East all over the place. You had Villanova in the Final Four, you had UConn in the National Semi, in the National Championship. Uh, Seton Hall, I think, went to the, I think maybe lost in the WNIT Championship game. If not, like the Final Four, like semifinal. Creighton had a deep run. Creighton had a deep run. Xavier won the Men's National Invitational Tournament. I thought that's where you were going, but uh, uh, but the other way works too. Just just because we had three coaches hired, yep. and it was you know former star and the hottest coach in college basketball at the moment. <laughs> how many how many coaching jobs could Shaheen Holloway not get after the St. Peter's run? Yeah, I mean we're talking maybe ten to fifteen. We're talking yeah, probably. How yeah? How many programs are like just nah, if, if everybody them. right? If everybody had a coaching opening, right? Yeah, and then you've got. Sean Miller going back to Xavier. And now Dad Mata going back to Butler. How about them apples? It is. In 2022, Thad Mata is the Butler coach and Sean Miller is the Xavier coach. It's just going to be fascinating to see how those two guys, and of course they both have plenty of experience in high major conferences. Not like they Right. But th <laughs> these programs are not, are not what they left, for better or worse. No. Because I would, I was thinking about this the other day that I would argue almost that that model has a tougher job now than he, than he did when he was there before. I think that, yeah, and probably Sean Miller to a certain extent too. You feel like Xavier should, and has Xavier has performed as one of the best teams in the Big East. 
but they've also had the talent to do that the last couple of years and haven't. Mm-hmm. It sometimes you know it's almost. I don't want to say it's easier, but just this idea of kind of if you're a mid major that's a really really good program. You can just sort of keep building to the NCAA tournament all year. As long as you don't lose too many games, you take care of business in your conference tournament, you're there. And then absolutely you're a force to be reckoned with. You know, you're like Murray State did this year. Mm. That's just a quality basketball team that you didn't want to play. And got to win in the NCAA tournament, right? That was Butler, that was Xavier before. Now you're dealing with Jay Wright. <laughs> And now Shaheen Holloway, in addition to the rest of what that conference has to offer. I mean, then the, on the other side of things, now when you go down the Big East Conference, yep. I mean, there are not very many conferences that from top to bottom feature a a coaching list that's as impressive as what's in the Big East now. At least at least when you're talking about the peak, uh, right? We don't know what Thad Mata is going to be at yeah. Butler and what Sean Miller is going to be at Xavier. But, gonna be, but yeah. Thad Mata you know, recruited Mike Conley and Greg Oden from under the nose of, you know, Indiana and all of those, you know, all the other Big Ten schools. And Sean Miller, you know, more than once had a team that we thought was capable of winning the national championship at Arizona, um, yet to be seen what they're going to look like there. But from, you know, Shaheen Holloway, you got a young up-and-coming star kind of coach, Sean Miller, Thad Mata, and we haven't even talked about, you know, the, the guys that are, that have already been there. Uh, you know, National Coach of the Year, Greg right, McDermott. Ed Cooley, Greg McDermott. Jay Wright. Jay Wright. I mean, we can we can keep going if you'd like us to. Shaka Smart. Um, but a lot of really good coaches in that conference now. And and a conference that, and I think some of this postseason stuff has solidified it, but uh, Dan Hurley. Um, ah, yeah. mm-hmm. The Big East is not going anywhere. Like, like we're going to get to a point, I think, where the Big East in its current form, you know, maybe not from a historical perspective, because this Big East is never going to be able to replicate the mid-'80s Big East with mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing, and, like, it's, it's never going to happen, um, because it just can't. But I think we're going to get to a point where the Big East is respected in a way similar to the way that the previous Big East mm-hmm. was respected because of the coaches they're bringing in, because of the quality of basketball. And, like, when you put the Big East up against the rest of the country, it tends to perform pretty well. Yep. Um, and I think we're going to continue to trend in, in that direction. There was a little bit of a down downturn the past couple of years. We talked about this at the beginning of the season, and very much seems like we're back up on an upward trajectory. And then you bring those three in to programs that struggled this year to some extent mm-hmm. I feel like none of them achieved what they wanted to and you've already got Marquette seeming to be going in the right direction mm-hmm. Creighton is already reloaded and ready to go for the next three years just wait till they're a top 10 team again Villanova's going absolutely nowhere and I feel like I had one more team to mention even what Tony Stubblefield's doing at DePaul eh? they're winning big East games not that many but more than they <laughs> used to you know it's yeah, I, we are very much in that. I I think we're gonna get back to kind of where it was a couple of years ago, where you didn't have the same respect yet, but I feel like it was getting there. Where you just went, okay, Villanova is the best team in the country. They're losing games. They're playing top twenty five teams consistently. Mm-hmm. This is a a gauntlet in a way that the Pac twelve, for example, isn't. 
and, and I'll always be a fan of the Big East as the as really the lone conference at the high major level that is focused on basketball mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And I'll always be in, in that corner regardless, you know, forget the fact that we both went to a Big East school. I like that it's a good thing for college basketball for the conference that prioritizes college basketball to like be good at it <laughs> that, that in a way that no other conference does relative to football in particular yeah. um, to be good at it. that's a good thing absolutely um, okay it's been an hour and four minutes and counting anything else as we put a bow on the season congrats to the Jayhawks we made it through Jayhawks. another season we did it we did it alright uh, right this second 12.52am on April 5th who's winning the 2023 National oh, Championship oh goodness you're gonna really do this I'm gonna do it to you right now how many how many way too early top 25s are already out what do you think you think CB I, I know our friends over at Heat Check have already done one alright can I can I see somebody's please before yeah, I answer on. this question on, I got you cause see the, the, I thought about this and then my next thought was how in the world can you predict this when half the country's in the transfer portal and or declared for the NBA draft? Yeah. Slash in the in the process of making that decision. Right. I don't know. I mean, Paolo could come back. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. We're going to go to one. I don't feel like counting down. Okay. I do. I know I have one team I am very high on. Okay. They are also so, high on. So number one is the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yep. They rejected 2023 starting lineup. Anthony Black, Nick Smith, Devontae Davis, Jordan Walsh, and Jalen Williams. I knew I knew that that was coming, and they your, have your a very, top very five good recruiting is class. Arkansas, Houston, UCLA, Duke, Kansas, Creighton, Kentucky, the Crimson Tide, Arizona, and North Carolina. That's your top ten. <clears throat> Okay, so not with North a Carolina. with <laughs> with a with a projected lineup of R.J. Davis, Caleb Lovely, Black, Puff Johnson, and Armando Bacon. Yeah, see, there are some assumptions being made that I'm not comfortable with. Fair. And it's also weird because all these dudes have an extra year of eligibility too. That Correct. I don't know what Leaky Black's thinking. Me neither. The uh, the starting point guard of Villanova projected. Chris Archer Diakonov. That's correct. Yeah. I- if you're going to make me pick. Mm. You know what? Mm. Trying to be a little different. But also. Mm. I'll say Arizona. Lozona? Part of me really wants to pick Arkansas. Kirk Crissa. Yeah, what 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 the Arizona lineup? Kirk Crissa, Paul Larson, Dale and mm-hmm. Terry, Azulis Tabellis, and Omar Balmo. So that's right, five of their eight rotation players from this year. Correct. Yeah. No Benedict Mathurin, no Christian Coloco. Yeah, see to me that's still a twenty year basketball team. Yeah. Um now, I will absolutely be changing that answer by the time we actually know who's playing for said programs. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going Arkansas. I, All aboard the must-bus, yeah, baby. That's, if there wasn't so much reliance on this recruiting class that's coming in, now it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. 
That is my only hesitation, is that's not how he's done this before. And I will always, always, always be hesitant to pick freshman heavy teams. Especially in where we're going to have another year with a bunch of these guys that have five, five, six years. Right. Because you're still in this COVID eligibility thing. Yeah. But, absolutely, I am very high on Arkansas and have already included them in my list of teams. I will not doubt in the NCAA tournament. When you give Eric Musselman that kind of talent, must the potential be. is endless. All aboard the must bus, baby. That is all we have. It is 12.56. I'm ready to go to bed. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast, Snap Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. Check out the pod bean. We'll be back at some point. Not exactly sure when that's going to be, um, but we'll be back at some point. Thank you for following along for another college basketball season. Kansas Jayhawks, 2022 National Champions. Bill Self, baby. Okay, we're an anti-Bill Self podcast here. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Jay's Podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.